With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Continental Extreme Contact DWS 06+. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlansport.com. The Volume. The Colin Cowherd Podcast brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any fantasy sport, there is a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hi, everybody. It's a Sunday afternoon college football podcast. Uh, This is random, but I was so into, from Thursday on, Ohio State, Minnesota, until every college game, until Notre Dame, Florida State tonight. Now, I'm not going to cover that game in this podcast. I'm going to let the four Notre Dame football players who are now part of the volume, they have a podcast called Inside the Garage. All-American Kyle Hamilton highlights it. Inside the Garage, it's a Notre Dame football podcast. It drops Monday. They will talk about the Irish game, seven and a half point favorites over Florida State. I do like the Irish. They're breaking in a new quarterback, but I still like them. I I think what Brian Kelly has done at an academically difficult university is bring Notre Dame back into prominence. I think right now, if you take Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State out, there's an argument to be made that Notre Dame's in a class of the next three or four, including Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma, and then Notre Dame. That is a very elite class, 130 Division I programs. None of the top 10 programs have the academic standards of Notre Dame. It's a tough place to win. Lousy winter weather. It's about a 90-minute drive south of Chicago, but largely considered a rural environment. Not a lot to do there. I think what Brian Kelly has done is I'm surprised NFL teams have not come knocking. Now, he's not Sean McVay Young or Lincoln Riley Hip. He's an older guy. But I think Brian Kelly, you take out Nick Saban and Dabo Swinney, 
Not a lot of coaches I'd take before in the country over Brian Kelly. That's I really hold him in high esteem. I think he's done a remarkable job. A little bit of a turnstile at quarterback, but they all win. So he's doing something right. Let's bring in Joel Klatt, voice of college football, Fox. You know, I did think, Joel, it was interesting yesterday. The starting quarterbacks for Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama are all California kids. And the, st- and the starting quarterbacks for UCLA is from Nevada and USC is from Arizona. Part of me thinks, boy, we've, we've let some talent leave the state. I, I do want to say this. I watched Bryce Young in high school. And I don't know how, I don't really care about the Sunday part of his game. He's not a big kid. But somebody told me something years ago about pro athletes. They said the great ones are easy to spot because it's so easy. The game looks easy. And I can remember watching Michael Jordan and sitting with a friend on the couch going, the league is full of 6'6 guys. They're all big with big hands and can jump. Why does he make it look so easy? Can anybody do that? And I watched Bryce Young yesterday, Joel, just the feet and the arm. And I'm like, oh, God, it just, it's his first game. No jitters. I was taken back by how effortless it looked. It's so fascinating that you bring up, you know, Bryce specifically, but in, in a sense, Alabama, right? Um, and this is what, you know, I've had these conversations. So my buddies, you can imagine, like my, the text chains, as soon as the football season start going, old teammates, you know, like other broadcasters were just firing away about like, well, what is it that makes um, Alabama the team that always comes out and, and it doesn't look it doesn't look hard for Alabama. It can't just be their talent because other teams have recruited at that level. You know, like why, why do they come out and, and make it look so easy? Is it just because of, of Nick Saban? And I think, you know, and you're asking more specifically about Bryce, but I think it, it also, I think we, we underestimate how difficult it is to practice and win any job at Alabama, right? So like, I bet you, Colin, well, I know this, I know this to be a fact, Saturday's game against Miami was easier for Bryce Young than winning the job, right? Like playing his defense in spring or in camp before you're in prep mode and actually prepping for the other defense. Like what he see, what he has to play against, that's easier than playing against Miami. The pictures are cleaner against Miami. The pressure is not quite as fierce, uh, fierce against Miami. So I think he just looks way more comfortable than a lot of the other guys that are making first starts around the country. And so you're like, well, what, what makes it different for a guy like Bryce Young? Well, it could be the environment that he's in, you know, and and sure, there's some of it that 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 is just him. There's no doubt. And there's other guys like that uh, around the country. But I, I think we could underestimate just how difficult it is to win any starting job at Alabama. And that might be why they roll out there and they never have that flop early in the year. Can you think of outside of the national championship game against Trevor Lawrence a couple years ago. Can you think of a time when you just felt like Bama didn't show? I can't, I can't think of a time and other programs that I feel like it happens once a year, twice a year, you know, I mean, how Even many times are we going to talk? Yeah. Right. That's, and that's what I'm talking about. I mean, OU, OU is a great example. The same thing started happening to them early last year. They were up 35, 14 on Kansas state, ended up losing. Uh, that ball game, you know, and they get up big on Tulane and then just kind of like, like, let them come back. Stuff like that doesn't happen at Alabama. And I think a lot of it is the environment that Nick creates and how difficult their practices are, the high standard by which you have to play every single day just to be a starter. And I think that that bleeds into the game. 
You know, um, I want to really zone in on UCLA's win over LSU. Um, yeah. And, and I remember um, how disappointed Ed Orgeron was when he was overlooked at USC. And I had said at the time, I talked to a USC administrator, and they had said, we just don't know if he fits for five years. Right. I've always thought of him as an elite position coach, a good coordinator, but I don't view him as a top 10 program head coach long-term, although I do think it shows the <laughs> the talent of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow made a lot of people's jobs way easier at LSU. Mm-hmm. But when I watch that game, we know LSU has probably more five-star talent than UCLA. UCLA has been maybe fifth, sixth in Pac-12 recruiting so far for Chip right. Kelly. When you watch that game, I mean, I was really taken back. Now, UCLA, I think, had 10 seniors on defense. It's a 22-, 23-year-old kids. But I was really taken back by the line of scrimmage that I thought UCLA yeah. consistently won. And it's not for lack of talent at LSU. They had big bodies everywhere. That's what jumped out to me. Is it the schematics of Chip? Is it the age, the returning starters? What did you make of the line of scrimmage in that game where UCLA controlled it? Biggest difference for UCLA in years, you know, and and Chip has been doing this now. This, you know, we talk about some guys that are like, oh, they got to come in and build a program, and we all want it to happen quicker than it really can. In particular, when you're taking over a program like UCLA. Uh, at, at the point in which he took it over. And if, you, if quickly, he had to tear a lot of things down in order to rebuild them at UCLA. And I think you know what I'm talking about. You're yeah. close enough to Chip. You and I have had those long conversations with Chip, and I don't want to get into the details. But there were times early in his tenure there where they had 56, 57 scholarship players and that was his choice. It wasn't sanctions. It was, it was him kind of tearing down the program in order to rebuild it in the fashion in which he needed to and wanted to. Okay. And a lot of that was cultural um, in terms of the culture he wanted to implement and build. Um, a lot of it was the chemistry style of things, but then a lot of it also was like this style of player that he wanted and the, and the style of team that he wanted and now we're starting to see the fruition of that. It just goes to show you, like, if you're really going to do that and tear something down, you need two things in, in abundance, patience and from, from the administration and then time in order to do that. And he's had it. Okay, so now we get to this point. He's built this team back to where now they do have 116 guys out there in practice, not just 78. They do have their full complement of scholarship players out there. So they're deeper. Um, and then... This is what I think is interesting is that I was texting with some people, not only fans, I've got a, a neighbor who's a, a big UCLA fan um, and, and also people that are around the program more closely than just a fan. And they were at the Rose Bowl and I started getting texts yesterday uh, on the plane coming home and it was all the LSU people and Colin, you know what they were all saying? They're like, oh, we didn't realize UCLA was this big. They got out there. I think they were surprised with what they saw. They thought they were coming out there to see kind of this middling Pac-12 program in a conference that doesn't have a lot of great line play and that they were going to come out there and bully UCLA. They rolled out there for warmups and looked over there and they were like, oh, wow, like this is not what we expect. I got that text from a few different people, one very close within the program. They thought, and he texted me, he was like, this is 
this is a little scary. They're real over there. Yep. And, and it's, it's what you're talking about. It's not just the athletes. It was the line play. It was the size of the line. It was the physicality of the line. And, and you're right. They, you know, it really wasn't that close. And I thought that in fairness to him, if Dorian Thompson Robinson is a little more efficient, I think UCLA probably could have put up 45 or 50 points. I feel the same way. Right? Yeah. And, and because it wasn't that close, right? Like LS UCLA was going to win that game eight out of 10 times. They were the better team. They were more physical. They were more dominant. You know, this is a little in the weeds, but I follow recruiting. UCLA's best two recruits this past year were defensive linemen. Then mm-hmm. they stole Jay Toya from USC, right. who was their best interior recruit defensive lineman. So UCLA got three elite recruits all in the same space that Pac-12 teams struggle with, interior defensive line. So, again, that, that's, right. that's a little in the weeds, but, you know, I'll, I'll throw this at you, too. But, but Yeah, but it's also not, though, right? Like, why has Utah won the Pac-12 South two of the last three years? They play great defensively, you know, on the big. defensive front. Yes, they're big and they're physical up there, and it's a big reason why I think they're going to be successful again this year. You know, it's interesting talking about the transfer portal. Uh, Chip's gotten the bag a couple of times from NFL teams, so he's got plenty of money. You know, you can see him on his bike in Manhattan Beach. He's living the good life, right? And I and I 100%. think, and this is not a criticism of him. Some coaches, I don't know if he feels a kinship to high school recruiting. I don't think he loves it. But the transfer portal is different. You get more mature players. Uh, it's more of administrative than recruiting. Can we get them in, Right. And a lot of these players that leave Southern California because SC and UCLA are down, they go to the South. They go to another yeah. program, the Big Ten, and they're like, I don't like it here. And they circle yeah. back and reach out back to SC and UCLA. He got exactly six, right. six transfer portal players, and I think five started. And I, I just I saw UCLA basketball do this where they lost a great player to Kentucky. The kid's like, I'm not into this. I miss my friends goes back. The transfer portal, I liken it to a much higher-end junior college without the whiffs because you know the guys can play. Sure. And I, I do think I, I will and, be and honest. And you don't have academic issues a lot of time either. Joel, know? I looked at those UCLA transfers and I'm like, oh, the, they've made it, the running backs. That's the difference in that program. So I, I'm not, I don't want to get over my skis here, but I think you know, Chip's a little contrarian as a personality. He is not. <laughs> it's true. It's he true. is. And I kind of think he just, he needs patience. And I think it's going to work for him. Okay. So I don't think it's just Chip. You're talking about the transfer portal. This People are using this really well. And, and one of the things that um, all the coaches that I talk with, you know, getting ready, and we did those two games and, Ohio State doesn't really have to deal with the transfer portal right. because they're, you know, it's it's more so their leftovers are where everyone else goes, right? right to to grab to grab people. Um, but all these other programs, you know, Minnesota had had Niles uh, Pickney. He was a captain for Clemson. He comes in. He's a defensive tackle at Minnesota. Another Clemson kid, Chez Mullins, was the running back for uh, Wisconsin in my game. Uh, he came out there, run for ran for over a hundred yards. Arthur. Um, 
Ebikadi, the defensive end from Temple. He transfers to Penn State. He was a force yesterday. Yes. and was a big reason why they were able to win that game. That's just in the games I did. You know, say you're talking more about like a Zach Charbonnet who comes into UCLA and is kind of clearly giving them a huge pop at the running back position. Um, the word that keeps coming up from coaches, and I can really relate to this, and I'll tell you why in a, in a moment, is that these players come in with purpose. And it's, and it's a purpose and a sense of urgency that maybe isn't there for a freshman. Because the freshman has just been told for three years how great he is, and they come in somewhat entitled, and there's not as much of a sense of urgency and, and a purpose there, okay? They're not up against it as far as graduation. They're not up against it as far as like, hey, one year until I'm draft eligible. So they don't know what they don't know when they're young, right? That doesn't mean they can't be talented. But when you get a guy in the transfer portal, he's usually got a, a tremendous amount of purpose. He knows exactly where he wants to go. He puts himself into the right fit in terms of system and coaching staff. And he's going to come there and he has a mission to accomplish. Um, so to your point, I think, People are using it really well. Chip's going to be able to use it very well. And, and, and I think, you know, a guy like Charbonnet is a great example of that because it's just not quite working at Michigan, decides to come home, you know, what is it, 20 miles from his high school, you know, <laughs> he's playing in the Rose Bowl, which is 20, 15 miles from where he played high school football. And he's more comfortable and he's playing like it and he's more purposeful and he's playing like it. The NFL is back, baby, and FanDuel Sportsbook is celebrating with 40-to-1 odds on any Week 1 game. 200 bucks on a $5 bet. Okay, this is no Hail Mary. It's that simple. New customers get 40-to-1 odds when you place your first wager on any team to win. FanDuel is sports betting made simple. The app's so easy to use. I've got the app. Download it. takes a minute. Plus, when you win, you get paid in as little as 24 hours. I like, by the way, Dallas plus seven and a half Thursday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You're watching so many teams struggle offensively in their first game. I like the under on that game, and I'll take Dallas plus seven and a half. That's a massive number. They won't get embarrassed. See for yourself why FanDuel's America's number one sports book. Just sign up. The promo code's Colin. Win 200 bucks on a $5 bet. Promo code Colin. C-O-L-I-N. Think about that exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 plus and present in Colorado, Indiana, Jersey, Virginia, and West Virginia. New users only. Must wager in designated offer market. $10 first deposit required. 150 max bonus. See all terms at sportsbookfanduel.com. Gaming problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Jersey, or Virginia or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Firestone Tires. 
Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Firestone test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward Show. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports, and now newly minted first-round picks like number one overall Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and more. If you're into cutting-edge digital collectibles, don't miss Panini's NFT platform at nft.paniniamerica.net with some of their first opportunities to collect this year's rookie class. Whether you're a collector of physical cards or a digital enthusiast, Panini has you covered. Check out their most popular brands like Prism, Select, Don Russ, and more, including Panini Instant Cards celebrating the biggest sports moments on cards right after they happen, such as Draft Night Instance. Visit PaniniAmerica.net or download the Panini Direct app today. Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Colin Cowherd Show. Um, I want to shift. I'll come back to USC later, but I want to shift to the Big Ten. Um, when I watched mm-hmm. your game with Minnesota, Buckeyes, Minnesota, my takeaway was that's a lot harder than people think. It's on the road. College doesn't have a preseason. You've got C.J. Stroud's a kid. A lot of teams would have lost that game. A lot of teams. Ohio State, really uneven in the first half. Then, like a great program, they kind of just speed kicks in, a couple of playmakers, a busted coverage, you look up and it's over. So let's talk second place in the Big Ten. Penn State, for whatever reasons, they've had Wisconsin's number. And I'm looking there, and I had Penn State losing. It was a a five-and-a-half-point line. I, I didn't think they'd win there. James Franklin is – I always hear this about James Franklin. Good presence, great guy, can recruit, X's and O's, eh. But I got to tell you, he beats a lot of staffs where I hear how great the coaches are. And I look up today and I'm like, I don't trust Michigan, number two spot in that conference. Is Penn State the second best team in the Big Ten? They made a great argument yesterday. Um, In fairness to Wisconsin, Wisconsin was – three snaps away from winning that game by two touchdowns. 
right? So if you just look at the bulk of the game, they snapped the ball 95 times. Their defense was fierce, in particular in the first half. Penn State's offensive staff did not adjust for a long time in that game. It kept trying the interior and didn't get to the outside until that third quarter and really even late into the third quarter. Um, you know, if, if you capitalize on a few drives early, I, we were sitting in, for example, I'm sitting up there in the booth and I'm talking with Gus at halftime and I'm like, this game, I, I told him, I was like, listen, Penn State's probably going to win because this game should absolutely at a minimum be 10 nothing Wisconsin right yep. now. With the way that the whole first half is going. It's it's 0-0. Zero, zero. That usually means to me they'll end up losing somehow because they, they have, you know, thrown away some good opportunities. And then even late in the game, first and goal from the one in six-point deficit with two minutes left, and they lost the game. That's insane. It's insane. Like, he fumbled a snap. He, he overthrew Graham Mertz overthrows a guy on the second to last play of the entire game. That's that should be a touchdown. So Wisconsin played well enough to win, but they didn't. And that's the credit that you give to Penn State. I think that Penn State has to figure out some things running the football. They could not run the ball. And we will see whether that's just great Wisconsin D or is there some sort of inherent struggle with this Mike Yurcich offense on the Penn State side. The one thing I do know about Penn State, though, that defense in particular, Colin, the linebackers and secondary play is excellent. And their coordinator, Brent Pry, is excellent. And this is one thing that you just kind of touched on briefly. I think James is best, and this might be a, a kind of a obvious point. When he has strong coordinators, his programs really take off. When he had Joe Moorhead as an offensive coordinator, and, you know, they were Big Ten champions, and, and people really respect Brent Pry. So I think a lot of pressure, to be honest, is on Mike Yersich and this offense. So Mike Yersich and and Sean Clifford have got to deliver. Uh, and if they can, then they can be pretty good. And then to, to answer more specifically your question, I think the team, and I know you're going to love this, it's the fake idea college I know football. Iowa look great. Iowa is really good. And they were really good last year and dominant, but they lost early in the season, so we all forgot about them. And – that's a really good program. I think Iowa, as it stands today, is the second best team in the Big Ten. Yeah, they go to Iowa State this weekend, and um, you know that's obviously a, an excellent rivalry now with the emergence of yeah. the Cyclones. But Iowa is favored. Um, Are they still the fake ID? Here's the thing: they just had their 21st birthday, so they they got a new ID. It's legitimate. <laughs> they were fake until like this weekend. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. funny. So my daughter's turning 21 in a couple of days. So she, you know, she's gone from fake ID to ID here real, real quick. You, you understand. You yeah, understand. Yeah. The, um, so, it, it, you know, it, it's interesting. I watched Georgia Clemson and mm -hmm. a couple California kids. JT Daniels uh, plays a little like Drew Locke to me. Doesn't play with a ton of urgency. Uh, don't always love his body language. He's got a great little lively arm. Yeah. But I watched Clemson and I thought, you know, this is the Joe Burrow thing. No Trevor Lawrence. Like, you know, what's interesting about Clemson, as great as they are, they don't have top five recruiting classes. This is about a great staff, and they've had sure. insane quarterback play and receiver play. But they don't they don't recruit like Alabama. They don't recruit like Ohio State. You, they don't recruit like LSU. And I watched them yesterday. Or Georgia. I, no, they don't. And I watched them yesterday, and I'm like, let's just be let's be honest here. For six years, we've had Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson. It's like, you know, that's that's pretty high stuff. Is it possible 
that they're going to have a major pullback here because they couldn't move the ball. I mean, the front seven for Georgia totally controlled the game, and I didn't see a lot of separation with any of Clemson receivers from that secondary for Georgia. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. And here's the reason: I think that their offensive line is a struggle this year. I think that that's real, and and that they may struggle offensively quite a bit. I think trying to replace not only Trevor Lawrence but ETN, you know, it's been a while that he's been there dominating at the running back position. And Colin, I think I, I brought this up last year. They used him in so many different ways a year ago. Like just for instance, I remember I was charting, watching the film when they played Miami in their game last year. And they threw ETN eight different screen passes, different screen passes in the first half alone. Right. That's that's aside from just giving him the ball. Just to show you, like when they got into any sort of a big game, man, he he was the ticket. Yeah. So when he leaves that offense, that's a bit that's a big issue. Their offensive line, um, I think, is like I said, is a struggle. Now, having said that, while they're not battling for the top spot in recruiting, they are still very formidable, competitive, formidable. And and here's the evidence: when I go, I think that the most important chart within a season in college football is I go to the 24-7 sports site, I go to the NCAA football, and I say composite rankings. I want to know what your roster is as a whole. Okay, so that's going to take every player on your team of what were they when they were recruited. The only thing that this is not good for is like the programs that can develop well and they'll take a three and a low four and develop them. But this is just the most talented rosters in the country um, uh, as, in, as it relates to where they recruited. Clemson's fourth in the country in the composite this season, okay? They've got 10 five-star players. They've got 41 four-star players. That's way more than LSU, Oklahoma, Florida, A&M, Oregon, USC, Texas, Notre Dame. Like, they've got the roster. The problem is they played a team that's higher than them. Georgia's number two. They've got 19 five-star kids, 47 of them on the four-star. Boy, so a you lot of those team. on defense. Lots of them, man. I'd say those linebackers, oh, they were flying, weren't they? God. Um, it, was, it was impressive. So I think what you saw is similar to what you saw last year when Ohio State all of a sudden ran up against Alabama. It's a really great program that ran up to a program that was just at a different level that year. I think Georgia is at just a little bit different level this year. But having said that, Georgia's going to have to figure out some things on the offensive side. And I think you saw, listen, Clemson's defense was insanely good. Yeah. You know, their defensive front seven is loaded, but they're going to struggle on the offensive line most of the year. The, here's the other, Colin, here's the other problem. <laughs> okay, so we saw Clemson's weakness. Who in the ACC is threatening Clemson? Even with with that weakness that we saw, well, I would say Notre Dame plays five games in the ACC. That's the closest matchup to me because their offensive line keeps them in every game. Their offensive line has given Georgia. They've gone toe to toe with Georgia two of the last times they've met, and those games were really competitive games. Notre Dame's O line, they're not going to they play, but they don't play Clemson. I know, this year. I know, but that's the only thing. Like when I watch Notre Dame and Clemson, I I see. NFL people up front, especially on Notre Dame's yeah. offensive line. If you can't yeah. block Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State defensive lines, you can't beat them. You, I remember, right. I remember Pete Carroll telling me this one time. 
he went 4-0 against the SEC, and he goes, the key is we can block their fronts. We got four NFL guys. He goes, Washington with Don James would have four NFL guys in the NFL tight end. We could block their fronts. Out West, that's, that's right. our problem. We cannot block an SEC front or an Ohio State front. We don't have the we don't have the bodies. Our receivers and quarterbacks and corners and line we're fine there. But I, but I when I look at Notre Dame and they they play, we're going to release this podcast before they play. But when I watch Notre Dame and let's pivot to that, I think what Brian Kelly figured out, and you told me this, he figured out about two years ago. Listen, this is not a track meet. We can't run. We're not going to run with some of these schools. But we can get in their kitchen. And I got to tell you something. When I watch Notre Dame play, take Alabama out. I think they match up with everybody. I, I think they'll beat Florida State tonight. I think they match up with everybody, Joe. That's my opinion. I Okay, so I have this theory. And I'm sure some of, you know, I think the Notre Dame people might not love it because they've got such a rich history, which they do. There's, there's no doubt. I have this theory that only one of the like really, really tough academic institutions can be great at a time, right? Interesting. Um, maybe I'm totally wrong, but you know, I think it's really difficult for Stanford and Notre Dame to both be great because they're, they have to get the exact same player. Interesting. By the way, and we've seen an ascension for Notre Dame last three to four years and an erosion at Stanford. That's exactly right. And that's exactly what I was getting to is the fact that this Notre Dame, while not not identical to what Stanford was doing, it, it is similar in that when Stanford was really good under Harbaugh and Shaw, they could bully everybody up front. They could run the ball on anybody. They would have a good back. They they could play, you know, tough and stout on, on defense. They could have a few guys here and there that could run. You know, they didn't have to have a whole stable of guys that could run all over the place. They would have really good tight ends, but it was just a, a factory of NFL offensive linemen, NFL offensive linemen, NFL offensive linemen. Now Stanford doesn't have that. They're pitching the ball around, got absolutely hammered by Kansas State. All those players are back at Notre Dame now. It's an, it's an NFL offensive lineman factory. When I talk with scouts and executives when I'm in draft mode in the spring, they say, you go to... Notre Dame, and it's just different in their offensive line room. The way that they coach them, the way that they develop them, these guys are surefire players in the NFL because they come from Notre Dame. Um, and, and to a large degree, I think that's what he kind of figured out. And I don't know if he figured it out as much as it just took a little time to develop to that point, and then now here they are. And they've got enough on the outside where they're a really good team. I I think Notre Dame's better than people think. I think Cone, as weird as this might sound, may be a touch of an upgrade over Ian Book. Um, I think in arm strength he is. In the last full season we saw Jack Cone, he was the Big Ten's leading efficiency quarterback. He's, he's not a slouch. And so, like, this could be some. This could be a year where I think Notre Dame actually exceeds expectations. I, I certainly think that they'll threaten and potentially win 10 games again. Yeah, I do too. Um Notre Dame is a topic of many of my discussions. Um, what do you I'm, think about that? Do you think Stanford and Notre Dame can be great at the same time? Well, I just don't. I don't think there's enough great students that are also great football players. Well, also, I might be totally wrong. Northwestern's going to peel off some. 
So th- then you've got three because Northwestern's a bowl program. So Stanford, mm-hmm. Northwestern, and Notre Dame, it's just simply more difficult, not only academically, but socially, the workload yeah. that Notre Dame, Stanford, and Northwestern ask of their student athletes. It's just harder. And and I, I and I and I think there's probably in the country probably about twenty to twenty-five really blue chip kids that can handle that workload. This is not a shot at other fine institutions. Wisconsin's a great academic power. Um, but but I do think Stanford, I mean, I've talked to, I know multiple guys who have played at Notre Dame, a dozen, and they're like, man, like the workload is no bullshit. This is a real workload. Right. Like you, you right. not only, you have to go to class and it's hard if you go to class. And so I, I think there's a, listen, I'm Mr. Theory. I got a theory on everything. I'd never thought about that. I think it's one of your gems. I'm not going to lie. Ah, nice. I like That's it. I'm talking about. Okay. Thank so I- let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print, or you finally want to get that will done. Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of general tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their general tire, test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Thank you to our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the 2024 Colin Coward Show. Panini America delivers a premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL, NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. Whether you're chasing rookie sensations or collecting timeless legends, Panini's got it. Panini America is also breaking new ground in NIL, featuring some of the biggest names in college sports. And now newly minted first-round picks like number one overall Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and more. If you're into cutting-edge digital collectibles, don't miss Panini's NFT platform at nft.paniniamerica.net with some of their first opportunities to collect this year's rookie class. 
Whether you're a collector of physical cards or a digital enthusiast, Panini has you covered. Check out their most popular brands like Prism, Select, Donruss, and more, including Panini Instant Cards celebrating the biggest sports moments on cards right after they happen, such as Draft Night Instance. Visit PaniniAmerica.net or download the Panini Direct app today. Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Colin Cowherd Show. I want to talk about the games that I watched. So I okay. watched Georgia Clemson. I watched Alabama-Miami. Yep. I watched UCLA-LSU. Yep. I watched Ohio State. I watched USC. And um, I'm always very critical when a coach's side of the ball struggles. Clay Helton's an offensive guy. For six years, they can't run on first and second down. They right. don't use the tight end. They become insanely one receiver dominant. Drake London had like 13 catches, I think. Um, and I don't think outside of the bubble screen, they have run two screens in a game in Clay Helton's tenure. And the defensive side with Todd Orlando, the former Texas coach, is fine. They He's an aggressive coach. They run around. In fact, Dante Williams, who they got from Oregon, has really upgraded the secondary talent. USC's corners are really nice players, Sunday players. But I look at that offense, Joel, six years. They can't run the football. And and I talked to a friend in the Pac-12. He said, you run the air raid. What elite offensive lineman wants to go block for the air raid? Is it just that simple? No, and, and it's a pretty pure air raid. You know, there are so many different spinoffs, and I call it like a – I don't know what the analogy is, but like this is a pure form of air raid, um, as about as clo- close to leech as you can get. And that offense, as successful as Mike has been, he still never won a division championship. And and the part of the problem is is because there's there's no width to it. And I'm not talking about just like width as, as far as the field goes. Width is is a, is a vers- versatility might be a bigger or a better term. There's still an element of the, this sport where you've got to control the clock at times. You've got to win the line of scrimmage and control the edge on short yardage. You have to have that at least in your toolbox. And they just don't even care if it's in their toolbox or not. And, and I think it's really frustrating for fans I was frustrated at it. I did back-to-back games last year. I did their opener against ASU. Then I did their second game against U of A. And I can remember, I, you know, you, you do their first game and they struggled on short yardage because, Colin, let me get technical for a moment. They don't go under center, which is fine, okay? There are teams that don't go under center even in the short yardage. Yeah. But the teams that don't go under center in the short yardage – they control the edge, the edge player, with a read or motion or even someone that just comes and blocks them. When you just sit there and snap the ball and then hand it to a back and don't control the end man on the line of scrimmage, he's just going to crash down and make the tackle in the short yardage. So they don't read it with the quarterback. They don't do anything. It's Why? Because they have no width to their run game. And again, I'm not talking about space. I'm just talking about they've got such – few number of concepts and ability to do different things that they can't, it's not in their toolbox. And and I finally kind of like lost it during the game against U of A. I was like, you can't do this. Like this is, this is insane. It seems 
And I know this is a, a very hard knock against them, but they've got to be better than that as coaches, period. I asked them about it between the games and our coaches meetings. And I was like, well, have you thought about going under center? How do you want to control the edge? And they kind of were like, well, it's just, you know, it's not what we do. What do you mean? It's like a carpenter that doesn't have a, a, a measuring tape. Like, it's not what you do. You don't measure? I, like, I don't understand. So I know that that's a, that is a scathing review, but it's true. And it's one of the reasons why I think UCLA is going to be the better team in LA this oh, year. Oh, I totally is agree. Because they have more physicality and they have more ability. You know, if you take something away that's their bread and butter to go in a different direction, if you take away their passing game at USC, they've got nothing else to lean on because they don't have the creative screens. They don't have the run game. And, and the evidence of that was last year's Pac-12 championship. Kayvon Thibodeau just wrecked their passing game and they couldn't beat them. And that was it. Clay Helton's a nice guy, but um, he's a very limited coach. And uh, yesterday, a prime example against San Jose State, the score is not indicative of the game. It was 13-7 late. Their defense right. bailed them out. That this, this basically tells you all you need to know about USC in the current state. They opened the game passing to open up their running against San Jose State. They have so little confidence in their ability. They do not have – they have 16 or 17 offensive linemen in the program. They do not have a single NFL prospect in their upper-class group, junior, senior. Not one. Andrew Voorhees is probably an undrafted free agent. They do not have – they don't have any. So their best offensive linemen are like redshirt freshmen, Cortland Ford left tackle and Monheim at right tackle. It's – and I try to tell USC fans, they they are okay in the weakest five-year stretch of the Pac-12 of my adult life, and they're still not dominating yeah. it. This is as bad as it gets. So it's like it, there have been times in my life when you had Terry Donahue and Don James and John Robinson. I mean, you you had like Hall of Fame coaches. I could say six of these guys in this conference probably aren't going to last so I just watched them yesterday, and I thought, it's rinse and repeat. I don't think you're harsh. I Coaches tell you a lot by their opening series. You know, They tell you what they see on film. We can't run on San Jose State. Well, and, and they tell you what they desire their identity to be. That's their entire offseason desire on tape is their first – series or two on offense or defense. This is who we think we are. This is who we want to be. That's what you get. Okay, finally, uh, you were very outspoken. The world agreed with you. Um, If I got a parking ticket, I shouldn't get thrown in jail. It's a little too punitive for the action. I'm watching two to three times every Saturday. Football, as you pointed out, it's fast. There's a regulated level of violence. I'm watching yeah. guys get thrown out of football games, this targeting. I just don't get it. There's no context to any of these penalties, right? Not only that. So, yes, you're a thousand percent right about the context. Trying to measure intent, you know, is how I said it on the broadcast. And I know that it's impossible to, to measure or to view or to officiate intent. But part of the other problem with this is that this is the most punitive penalty in our sport. Um, 
The only other thing that is as punitive is literally fist fighting on the field. Okay. Like that's the only other thing that will just get you like an auto eject. And, and the problem I have with it is it is officiated as erratically as any call in the sport. You, you can put up two different clips and get everybody in the room disagreeing about both clips. Like there's no consensus about even how to officiate it. So how in the world do we take something that is that erratic in its uh, ability to be implemented and attach the most punitive action you can take against a player to that said penalty? That, That doesn't make any sense. That is insane to do. And the problem is, is that these commissioners have no appetite to change it or to try to roll it back towards something that is much more uh, palatable for the college football fan because they don't want to be seen as being weak on safety measures. Okay, but it's 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 garbage. Let me tell you why. If they were really if they were really serious about player safety and not just protecting themselves from a legislative standpoint, or not legislative, from a, a litigation standpoint, then they would address the college game clock rules in which we stop the clock all the time during the course of the game, which leads to a higher volume of overall snaps yep. than in the yep. NFL. Yep. Okay, so you're following me here. If you were really in, in the mold of saying you wanted to reduce the the – uh, occurrence of head injuries or help with player safety, you would adopt the NFL game clock rules and you would limit the number of, of volume of snaps. And in some cases, you would limit it by about 100 for the season, which is basically an entire game. So <laughs> this is what this is what drives me nuts is they sit there and like, we're so serious about player safety. No, you're not. No, you're not. All you're doing is protecting yourself from a, litiga- a litigation standpoint and, and a concussion standpoint, you're not doing that when it comes to the, the volume of, of snaps that players are having to say you haven't even addressed the kickoff issue. The XFL at least tried to address the kickoff and I thought had a much better rule than what's in football right now. So they won't look at that, but we're going to continue to eject players. Again, to, to sum this up, I am absolutely fine with both categories of targeting having a penalty thrown and a flag down. And I'm fine with awarding first downs and 15 yards. I'm even fine with having two levels of targeting where if you can judge some sort of malice or intent in terms of using your head as a weapon, then you can eject. But the fact is, is that when we're having normal course of football plays end in an ejection of a football player, that's, like I said, that's egregious. It's a disgrace and it needs to be changed. All right, you got to go do your stuff. It's a holiday weekend. I never do these, but I was so giddy with all these games. I just couldn't control myself. And I'm like, okay, I got to talk about this stuff. How about the scene in, at Wisconsin? I know there were several out there, and I thought there oh were a lot God. of great scenes. I know a like Kyle Field was a great scene. But what we experienced, Gus and I and Jenny, at Camp Randall for I Jump Around. And, oh, I mean, I couldn't speak. And I just wanted to give a, you know, publicly, I know I did it on Twitter, our producer, Chuck McDonald, it was his idea. And, and thankfully, like everybody in our programming department was like, yeah, you know, we're going to come back early, figure out where to put those commercials elsewhere in the game so that we can cover, you know, jump around live, not on tape. Hey, this is what happened during the commercial live. What they were doing there, 
you were experiencing at home. And so Chuck, that was an amazing idea. Everybody at Fox said, yes, let's figure it out. Our director did an amazing job shooting it, bringing you into the stadium. And so Chuck McDonald, Rich Dewey did an amazing job. I just want to give them a huge shout out. Let me tell you something. I got like emotional watching that. Like I was emotional. I was sitting there like goosebumps and choked up watching it. Seriously. As a fan. Yeah. It was incredible. Same sitting in the booth as I was shaking. (laughs) Jenny's spinning down there on the field. Yeah. How cool was that? Pure joy. Good seeing you, man. You as well. Have a good day, bud. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.